Today's episode of the podcast is being brought to you by Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore and throat cancer at jimmydorecomedy.com. Welcome to Down with Joe DeRosa. One topic, one guest, one hour. Let's get quick plugs out of the way. I'm going to be touring the southern United States and the southeastern United States in December. Check me out. I'm going to be in Atlanta and Mississippi and some other places. Go to JoeDeRosaComedy.com for details. Also, new album, Mistakes Were Made, the B-Sides is out now. Ten bucks online. Two discs worth of shit. Get it. Okay. What are we talking about today? What are we talking about today, folks? Today we are talking about corporatocracy. That's a mouthful of a word. Corporatocracy. It's a term, if you're unfamiliar, that uh, expresses uh, or defines an economic and political system controlled by corporations or corporate interests. It is generally a pejorative term often used by critics of the current economic situation in a particular country, especially the United States. Basically, it means the corporations are running everything or there's a corporation that's running everything. That's what I got out of it. Now, in reading up on this concept, I saw things, uh, terms like free trade agreements and globalization and other words describing a bunch of other concepts I don't fully understand. Hopefully, today's guest can enlighten me. But I do know this. I believe in the corporatocracy. And my belief in it has become the only one I truly maintain. I don't really believe in anything else. Now, when I say I don't believe in anything, I don't mean that in the nihilistic anarchist, there should be no rules and we should all fight each other for gasoline kind of way. No, I believe that rules are necessary. I believe that laws are necessary. I believe that the institutions that create and instill these real rules and laws are necessary. I believe all the disgusting shit these institutions do to maintain the corrupt power and underhanded authority to be able to create these rules and laws is necessary. And finally, I believe that the public relations blowjob these institutions give us so we hopefully don't notice all of the revolting shit they're doing so we think they're on our side and accept their cocksucking authority and follow their whore rules and bastard laws is necessary. I just don't believe we can do anything about it. And thinking we can, to me, is pointless. We're surrounded by bullshit artists and con men. No one is on our side. Everyone is trying to steal from us, stab us in the back, mock us, disgrace us, degrade us, and take advantage of our every naive impulse. Nothing will ever change unless it's for the worse, which means nothing will ever get better. There's poison in the well, and we're all dead. I don't mean that in a negative way. So people... Waste time thinking it's about being on a certain team. That's what I think. It's not about being on a certain team. It's not about the right versus the left. It's not about the spiritual versus the secular. It's not about corporate versus common. It's about us versus them. Nowadays, people are getting fucked over by their own leaders. You can't even have faith in the persuasions and professions you pledge yourself to. And for one simple reason, once any cause, movement, or organization reaches the point of having a national effect, much less a global one, it becomes big business. And big business responds and respects only one thing. That's money. Not people, not relationships, not ethics. Money. And nothing ever, ever, ever beats money. It's too late. The church, the coffee shops, the nonprofits, the schools, the government, it's all big business now. So stop trying to fight it. You can't. We're strapped in. 
We're strapped in and we're fucked. The roller coaster is approaching the highest peak of the steepest hill, preparing to launch us into the deepest drop. Screaming about it will get you nothing. Now, I'm painfully curious to hear what my guest today stands or where he stands on all this. I first met this guy, funny enough, doing a politically based stand up comedy show at a college back during W. Bush's second term. He's a brilliant comedian, thinker and writer with a perspective I always find interesting and challenging. He's had several Comedy Central specials, one of which Citizen Jimmy was chosen by iTunes as a best of 2008. He's also one of the writers and performers of the acclaimed off-Broadway hit The Marijuana Logs. And his podcast, The Jimmy Dore Show, is not only immensely entertaining, but immensely popular as well. Finally, his new book, Your Country is Just Not That Into You, tackles vast sociopolitical economic territory, particularly the subject matter we're discussing here today. If you're a fan of that sort of analytical discussion, or you just like great books written by funny comedians, pick it up. It's a must-read. Please welcome Jimmy Dore. Wow, that was quite, that was a mouthful there, Joe. That was fantastic. And <laughs> b- by the way, uh, I, li- I really like your optimism. You're uh, <laughs> just what made that little old ant. <laughs> Anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant, but he's got high hopes. <laughs> I never knew you had this singing voice. He's got high hopes, high apple pie in the sky. Hopes Don't quit on it now. Anytime you're feeling low, feel like letting go. Just remember that ant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree. Oops, Oops, there goes another rubber tree. Oops, there goes (laughs) another rubber tree plant. And then the horns kick in. Well, Well, Margaret Mead said, Yeah. Never doubt that a small. Let me, let me, you know what? I don't want to misquote Margaret Mead, so I have it right here on my phone. I don't want you to misquote Margaret Mead. I want, I I have misquote. Never doubt. That a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. But do you really? Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Do you really believe that? Yes. Really? No doubt. Okay, this is great. What a, what a place for us to start, because being that we both believe in this corporate concept, that, yes. the, that, the, that there's sort of the big company pulling the strings, right? Yes. That's the simplest way to put it. If you believe in that, how can you still have hope that things could change? How do you think you could change it? Because I feel like it's impossible. Well, well, first, let me just say that you are correct. Um, What I try to tell people is that there is no liberal media. There's only corporate media. There is no left in America. There's only corporate politicians right barack obama if he during the last uh, uh, presidential election they said it was really important that we vote because it was mitt romney versus barack obama and if mitt romney would have won joe we would have got romney care but luckily barack obama won so we got romney care right so you see how important it is exactly. to go, oh, we're gonna get whatever the goddamn corporation wants and that's what they wanted exactly and that's what we were allowed to have exactly we were that's as much health care reform as we were allowed to have by the corporation and how do you beat the corporation is your question yeah the way you beat the corporation is you kick back your democracy and the way you take back your democracy is you get money out of politics john mccain that used to be his big thing he wanted to campaign finance reform which is why the republicans torpedoed his ass right and then he had to go go and suck george bush's dick for about eight years so he could become the next nominee which he did right um, so the way you get money out of politics is because now the Supreme Court it says corporations are people and money is speech. Right. So the more money you have, the more speech you have. Poor people don't have a lot of speech in America anymore. 
So the way you get, how do you get money out of politics? If the Supreme Court says you, it's it's constitutional. Well, you right. have to change the constitution, right? So the way you change the constitution is you have to pass an amendment, which is you have to get thirty five states to agree to ratify uh, a constitutional amendment based around getting money out of politics, mm-hmm. and then we have public financing of all campaigns, all. Uh, political races, and you go, wow, that sounds expensive. Nothing is more expensive than privately funded political campaigns, right? Well, then what's... Because it ends up costing us all. Like, how much did the Iraq war cost us? That's trillions of dollars. How much is Afghanistan still costing us? Trillions of dollars. How much is the bank bailouts? How much is quantitative easing costing us? Countless trillions of dollars, right? So that's why if we don't have public financing, we end up paying trillions and trillions of dollars to the military industrial complex and Wall Street. And we give tax breaks to corporations to ship our job over to slaves in a third world country, which is the new American way, by the way, Joe. Right. We take good jobs in America, we turn them into shitty jobs, and then we ship them overseas. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so yes. the way you get money out of politics is I joined this group called Wolfpack. So there's a couple of those. There's one called Mayday Pack, right? Uh-huh. You've heard of that. So there's the Wolfpack, and it's called wolf-pack.com. And uh, they're committed to getting money out of politics at the state level, so they're going to bypass Congress. So what they, they started in Vermont, right? So they went to the state legislator. It's a long story. I'll cut it for you. They passed the, okay. to call for an amendment. They got it passed. Everybody said, you're never going to get it done. It was 26 to 2 against the Vermont Senate. They did groundwork, actual knocking on doors, talking to people, talking to legislators, getting priests and the clergy involved. They passed it. Right. Then they go, well, you passed it in a small state like Vermont. You're never going to pass it in a big state like, say, Colorado. where I mean, uh, California, where there's oil money, military, industrial complex. There's all the... Uh, uh, there's all the money for uh, tech technology, so you're never going to get that. Pat, we got it passed in California. Okay, so we got a big state, we got a small state. We need 33 more states, and we're on. We're we're marching on, and that's how you change things, Joe. You get money up because when a congressman gets to, to Washington D.C., they tell him right away, you know, you're going to spend four to five hours a day on the phone begging for money. Right. And uh, who are you begging for money for? You're begging for money from from rich people. Right. So they send up talking to rich people all day and begging them and listening to their problems and what the rich people want who are going to give them money. Right. And then you wonder why their policies and the laws they pass reflect the interests of the wealthy mm-hmm. because that's who they're surrounded by. They're out of touch. Right. And they're bought and right. paid for. I mean, look at Eric Cantor. That was a tough loss he took. Tell, right? for, tell Eric everybody Cantor was Eric the Cantor. he was the uh, he was the second in command underneath John Boehner, the Republican uh, in Congress, right mm-hmm. in the House, and he lost to a Tea Partier because he thought about maybe that Mexicans weren't the devil right. for a second. <laughs> right. So that they got rid of him. And he immediately went from there to uh, a $5 million job on Wall Street, which because you know how good he is at <laughs> banking. <laughs> right, 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 right. So let's, 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 uh, let me, let me stop you right here. Okay. And let's back up just a little bit. Now, small change, as you said, you made it here in state of California. You need mm-hmm. other 33, 33 other states to get behind this too. Yes. What do you think the likelihood of that is? Because my question will always come back to, and I don't want to belabor the point, but my question will always come back to, if it's not financially sound for the machine, then the chances of the machine... What is the benefit of the corporation saying, let's get money out of politics? There's no benefit to the corporation. The, The economy is rigged. It's rigged in their favor. That's why they spend hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars every year to lobby our Congress right now. Right. Comcast 
uh, as 200 lobbyists working on getting rid of net neutrality in Washington, even though they're putting out commercials saying they're for net neutrality, which right, is funny. Right, yeah. So, well, if, so then if it's never in the interest of the corporation to get money out of politics, right. how does the small group make the, make the change? Well, we get our state. See, because they have less influence over state, state legislatures. Okay. So, uh, but let me, can I just define the problem more? I, I, I think it's, it's because people, it's just a concept to them right now. Sure. I mean, what you did was very good at the top of the show, but I would just like to give some more concrete examples. Please, please. And, you know, let's, for instance, uh, you know, when people say the media is liberal, you know, MSNBC is the liberal, they're the, they're the alternative to Fox News. Uh-huh. Well, MSNBC, MS stands for Microsoft, which wants to, Microsoft, which wants to Bill Gates, which wants to privatize education. Right. Uh, NBC stands for NBC, which during the whole Iraq war was owned by General Electric, which is a defense contractor. Right. So we're, we're getting our anti-war message from a defense contractor. Right. Which is hilarious. Now, if you take NBC News, Brian Williams, number one newsman in America. Everybody loves that guy. I love him. I want him to be godfather to my kids someday because he's so affable <laughs> and funny. Right. Except he's a shitty newsman, and that's why he got that job. He's, he is a spoke in the hub of the evilness of corporate America. And right. the reason why he got that job is because he's not going to stop in the middle of a bullshit broadcast and go, hey, wait a minute, what the fuck are we doing here? Right. Is there summarized everything okay? Everything's fine. You keep talking. Okay, so I just got to I, – I, this is a one-man band. J- Jimmy's referring to the fact that I leaned forward and looked at the computer – I'm just a one man band at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not true. I have a I have a guy named Ernie who's my engineer. Um, Ernie used to come out for the recordings, mm. but I've been traveling so much oh, that okay. I, I had to start doing the recording part on my own, and then he takes it in and and cleans it up. The yeah. point is, though, while I'm recording, I got to do all the no 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 problem. It's like being on morning radio when the guy keeps looking at the yes. phone board. Yeah. You're like, am I am I losing him? <laughs> no, he's just okay. seeing if anybody's calling. All right, go ahead. So so Brian Williams during the Iraq War. Worked for General Electric, which is a defense contractor, huge defense contractor. And my question to Brian Williams is, how many checks do you take from a defense contractor in the middle of an illegal war before you stop calling yourself a journalist? Right. And even worse, he would bring on generals, retired generals, to tell us the straight dope about what was happening in Iraq so we could make decisions as an informed electorate, right? Right. Well, it turns out all those generals were bought and paid for by military-industrial complex. They were all working for defense contractors, which Brian Williams never told us. The guy who did tell us that won a Pulitzer Prize for it in the New York Times. Wow. Brian Williams still never told us. Right. So the biggest story of the last decade, the Iraq War, our number one newsman not only fell down on the job but actively misinformed us on purpose in the interests of defense contractors and profits over war so that's your liberal fucking media right, right there okay so there is no liberal media there is no left in america if there was a left in america barack obama would have proposed medicare for all which is the left's idea of how you fix the problem it's the rest of the industrialized world's idea right. on how to fix our medical problems right except he didn't propose that he proposed mitt romney's plan which was the heritage foundation's plan which was their response to the Bill Clinton plan in right. 1992. So we're implementing a 20-year-old right-wing healthcare solution to our problems, and we're doing it with a with a black guy Democrat president who everyone says is a socialist. He's giving a giveaway to health insurance companies. So we're allowed as much healthcare reform as the corporations will give us. Right. And Barack Obama is happy to serve at the corporate for the corporation. Right. And it's fascinating to me how this all works when it gets down to the sort of social discussion level. Right. Because, you know, Dennis Miller, for instance, 
I've heard clips from Dennis Miller's radio show where guys are calling in and going, well, you got your Obamacare, Obama. Thanks a lot. Here's what it did to my company. And it's like now I'm learning from you that it's actually a right-wing concept. Yes. But yet right-wingers are still mad at the left because of it. And that's there's that Carlin quote, uh, the, the rich do anything to keep the middle class and the poor fighting amongst ourselves right. so they can run off with all the fucking money. And it's like this is a, an exact example of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they keep the poor around to keep the middle class working their ass off to be scared to death to fall. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But there is almost no middle class left in America. 50% no. of all wage earners in America earn less than $30,000. I think it's done. I think we're I, – I, we, we, we were talking sort of about this uh, on a recent episode of the podcast, but I, I, I said I think we're done. And they, the per, who, I forget who was on, but they said, why do you think we're done? What do you mean by that? And I said, we're done. Like – the middle class is is disappearing. This is going to be. This is going to turn into like a classist, or a, excuse me, a caste system kind of thing, like India, where you're either like living like a sultan or you have nothing. Well, it used to be like that in America, you know, during the Gilded Age, right? right. So right now we're experiencing a bigger income disparity than during the Gilded Age, which let's <laughs> remember what the Gilded Age meant. The Gilded Age meant that uh, we had a very sick society. But there was a sprinkling of gold glitter on the top of it all, so you didn't notice. Right. right. And then guess who came along? Teddy Roosevelt came along and said, enough of this. And I'm going to split up these corporations, and we're going to have antitrust laws so that these corporations have to work in the interest of competition, which works in the interest of consumers, not in the interest of the corporation. Right. And they hated him for that, and he did it anyway. And right. it worked, right? Right. And then FDR came along, and he did the same thing to the banks, right? right. So he, and, and they hated him, and he gave the same um, – uh, he said that the, the, the government by organized money is just as corrupt as government by organized mob. Right. And that's exactly – and he was right, and they hated him. And he said, I will – he said, never before in the history of this country has money been more organized – and for hatred around a single man than right now. And it's towards me. And I welcome their hate. Can you imagine Barack Obama saying, I welcome Wall Street's hate? I can't imagine it. No, I can't imagine Because it. he's been giving them $50 billion a month for the last two years and called quantitative easing. Well, here's the thing. I can't imagine any president in my lifetime since I've been born, mm -hmm. uh, which was 1977, saying something like that. Yes. Which is interesting that you bring up the Teddy Roosevelt uh Who's a Republican? Be well, yeah, but but a progressive. Yes, and what I find interesting about that is that when I get into this discussion or or a similar discussion with with friends or whatever, uh, I kind of always return to this. I used to I argued a lot about Occupy Wall Street with people. We did an episode of the podcast essentially about it with Ari Shafir, where we were screaming at each other. Uh, really, we were screaming at each other because I my whole take on it was. Do I think Wall Street is corrupt? Absolutely. Do I think the shit they do is disgusting? Absolutely. Is sitting in a park going to change anything? It's not going to change a fucking thing. It'll create some conversation. That's nice, but it's not going to change anything. Uh, and if you want proof of that, talk to everybody that was unfairly or wrongly arrested down there for no apparent reason. We got into some other areas, too, where I talked about, like, I didn't like how the movement were, was, was sort of... Uh, fucking with the well-being of the local business owners and kind of saying like, well, if you want to make an omelet, you break a few eggs. And it's like, no, these are the people you're supposed to be protecting and, and they're complaining that their business is being obstructed by you right now. Anyway, we can talk about that if you want. But the reason I bring it up is um, my ultimate point when I discuss that with people is the, the days of change through movement, through taking to the streets are done 
because martial law is a, is a reality. It's something that can happen at any moment. The cops or the soldiers will hit the streets with machine guns. The days of the Teamsters fist-fighting the police for change are in this country are gone, which is why I think at the time of a guy like Teddy Roosevelt or even an FDR, they could come along and say, hey, man, I welcome your hate. Bring it on. But I feel like after 1960, maybe, that just wasn't a thing anymore. It just it was like this this ball was rolling so fast and so furiously that nobody from the president down to whoever could do that anymore. And when people say, well, no, social change is possible. Look at Egypt. Look at these other countries. I'm like, yeah, well, those countries aren't where we're at right now financially. So people can storm the embassy or or fist fight the authorities or whatever it is. But I just don't think that can that can happen here anymore. I don't think anybody can can take that stance or or really have that kind of effect here anymore. What well, your- the, my thoughts on Occupy Wall Street is I don't know. How, uh, you, you know, is there anything more disgusting than a bunch of dirty degenerates making a perfectly valid point? <laughs> That's so, interesting. Uh, you know, the prop, the mistake the Occupy Wall Street people made was they asked for a living wage instead of a billion-dollar parachute. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, Newt Gingrich famously said to, the, to them is that the, uh, he wanted them to, he said, the Occupy Wall Street people should get a job, but first they should take a bath, which is hilarious. You know, Newt Gingrich <laughs> is such a cut-up. I mean, it's really funny. Not as funny as that time he punked his wife by serving <laughs> the divorce papers in her cancer recovery room in front of their children, but still pretty fucking funny. Right, right, right. I got you. <laughs> Well, the you know the first one is more of a bit, and the second one is more of a of a, of a routine, yeah, of a gag. The gag. <laughs> the divorce paper thing is more of a gag kind of thing. Yes, and <laughs> and and the Occupy Wall Street said they don't know how to create wealth, mm-hmm. and yet the Occupy Wall Street people don't know how to create wealth because they think the way you uh, create wealth is you work really hard, save your money, and then you have a good life. And those people are living in a fantasy land called the past. Well, everybody knows the way you create profits now is you take a job, you outsource it to slaves in a third world country, and that, and then you, may, and then whatever is left over, you, uh, you, you, you get the rest of your profits through crony capitalism that's been funded by trillion dollars in taxpayer money. So that's how you really make profits in America today. I would, I would also, I would add to that 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 part of the problem with a movement like that is, and I've I've heard Mark Marin say on stage before. Um, I don't know if this is a bit or just something he said one night, but he said the problem is, is the people that need the change are too busy working three jobs this to demand true. it. And I think that's the part of, that's part of the problem with a movement like that, because it, when it's a bunch, it, it's easy to go protest when you're a fairly privileged kid from the suburbs whose parents can float their bills while you go sit in a park for three months. And that's what a lot of it was. And I can only speak from the people I knew that were involved with it. Most of the people I knew that were involved with it were coming from a background where they could afford to take off from work for long stretches right. of time. Right. I didn't really know anybody that was living in the streets and, and you know, playing their bongo drums for money up until that movement, you know, and then kind of took the business to the park or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the problem with that movement is that I think that affects or any type of movement like that. I think it affects the effectiveness of it. <laughs> And uh, but I also think it affects the way people look at it, because people are looking at it going, this is this is privileged white America telling me how I need to live. This is a bleeding heart thing. This is this. This is that. And they're not seeing the people that are truly being affected by the problem. 
Well, certainly the media is not showing you an accurate portrayal of Occupy Wall Street. That's right. For, that's for damn sure. Right. And then there's half the country who believes that they're all, you know, uh, hippies, right? They're, 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 and criminals, right? Anybody who actually takes part in their government. We need a new word, by the way, from hippies. Yeah. I was thinking about that recently. Like, I'm still using that term, hippie. It's like it's not the right term anymore. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there needs to be a new term for the group. Maybe a new age spiritualists. New age know. spiritualists. They, what was a yippie? Remember that? That was, that was a term. A hippie and a yippie. What was the difference between a yippie and a hippie? I don't, I don't know. know. Yippies was that whole Abby Hoffman thing. Oh, okay. Which Who turned out to, yeah, I think he turned out to be a Wall Street banker, that guy. <laughs> I think he did in the 80s. I think he did. What are you talking about? What did you just say? Abby Hoffman? Yeah, didn't he turn out to be uh No. Who was the guy? Who no, was... he had to like go into hiding and like, I think he killed himself eventually. It's a very sad story. I, I'm pretty sure one of those guys from the Chicago 7 became a... Really? Yeah, 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 I'll look it up. A Wall Street banker? Yeah, well, yeah, I could be wrong. Let me that. let me look it up and you finish your point. Let okay. me, please, let me be a host here and look, so, look up information. So my, my point of, uh, you know... Occupy Wall Street was, uh, you know, a warning sound, a warning shot, right? And uh, what else are people supposed to do? And, and it was just amazing to me to see a Democratic president allow Democratic mayors from across the country let uh, tell their union cops to go crack the heads of peaceful protesters, right? And they gladly do it because that's, you know, cops, that's what they, that's why they became cops. They like cracking people's fucking heads. That's, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's hilarious to me. People always like to go, oh, there's, you know, there's, there's just a few bad apples. Cops are mostly good. No, people become cops because they like to crack your fucking head open. But you don't think there's, I, I, <laughs> but I don't agree. I, I, I know like a lot of I know of a lot of cops, cops and they all like to crack your fucking head open. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Agree. My grand, my grandpa was a cop. My dad was a cop. My oldest brother's a cop. My best friend in Chicago, cop. All of them fucking love to crack your head open. You're, I never met a cop who didn't want to crack your fucking head open. You, you. So you think your oldest brother? Yes. Would you? And you've said this to him. Yes. What does he say? He quit. He's not a cop anymore. He's uh, a loser somewhere. Oh, so you, you guys are not on good terms. That's what I was trying to get to. No, he's a moron. <laughs> He's a guy. He's the guy. He's the guy who had to take a job driving a school bus for the health insurance. And then when I go to his house, he complains about the estate tax. I swear to God, I swear to fucking God. And one day out of nowhere, he goes, "We got to get rid of that estate tax." I'm like, "Sure, what the hell are you talking about, Phil?" He goes, "That's a that's if you die and you have millions of dollars, the government just takes half of it, Jimmy." And I was like, "That's horrible. Let me know when that becomes a problem, and I'll organize a rally." But until then, turn off your AM radio and get invited to your own fucking life, you idiot. <laughs> You should be worrying about the T-shirt tax at Walmart, you dickhead. <laughs> Estates don't have two cars that don't work on the front lawn, okay? All right. So that's who he is. But you've, getting back to you've the- had some bad run-ins with some cop with some cops. No, uh, I don't know if you have the internet. But- no, I do. Listen, I'm not going to say that. Co- I'm not going to say that. Co- but there, it, to me, it's like it's a culture problem. It's with like policing. saying all priests are bad. I don't they, think all priests are bad. And I'm I'm an. It's eight- not like saying that people don't become priests because they want to crack your head open. Well, there are a lot of people that would argue that people become priests because they want to be deviants and 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 have a pass from God. There is a lot of that. There's a lot of that. But uh, but I think but there's I, a culture. I've met some wonderful priests in my time. I've met some lovely policemen. I met in some my wonderful time. policemen too. That doesn't mean they won't want to crack your fucking head open. <laughs> what is the crack your head open? <laughs> That's thing? what they do. <laughs> they they like all it. Do that. A lot of them do. I'm not saying... I really don't like cracking people's heads open. Can I get a job that's required me to crack people's heads open? What? Oh, yeah, that's what I'll fucking do. I'll do that job. I... No, people who, who are attracted to policing are attracted to brutality. They are attracted to being in charge of the rules. 
and they want you to obey their authority. And that's what it's all about. But there's a problem, Joe. It's not individual cops. It's a problem with the culture in America, and it started with the drug war. Right. The Constitution doesn't apply if they say you're a drug. All you have to do is say he's a drug a drug dealer, and they can do. They can take your money. They can take your house, take your property, and you have to get it all back for them. And they don't even have to charge you with a goddamn crime. So, and then it's then what 9-11 happened. Everybody is seen as a terrorist, which is why mm-hmm. college police departments have tanks. Well, yes. Which is why you saw up at UC Davis those fucking cops up there Chemically is chemi- using chemical weapons on peaceful protesters. You go, Jimmy, that's called pepper spray. That's a chemical weapon that's supposed to hurt you. Right. That send kids to the hospital. Right. And they were peacefully protesting on a college campus. Right. And cops showed up in riot gear. Right. And, and fucking ca- and, and assaulted those kids in plain view. And what all these cops are doing, they know they're... Look at Ferguson, for fuck's sake. The kids in the high school have to share caps and gowns at graduation because they don't have the money. Yet the Ferguson Police Department just spent 200 grand on fucking tanks and helmets and rifles. You saw the fucking yes. pictures. I don't have to tell you this. Yes, yes, So yes. this idea that cops are good, we have to get rid of that idea. Cops are cops, and it's a culture that sees them, the citizen as the enemy, and it's a fucked up culture. And you got to stop saying shit like that, Joe. Well, well, but but here's here's what I would propose to you. I would propose that it's more of a Serpico situation where people get involved in the job because they actually maybe do. Not everybody. Some guys do get in with the wrong ideas, but other guys get in with the right ideas and say, yeah, I'd like to like do this. I think it's a good service or whatever. And I think it's something we need. And then once they're inside the service, my my cousin's a cop. I'm not just saying this because he's my cousin. He's a great dude. No, did he turn down some job offers from NASA? Uh, or was that probably the best paying job he could get with his level of education? No, no. I no, think, he could probably be pilot. Well, I don't know. I what never, is it? Where is he? I, I don't, I've never seen his SAT scores. <laughs> okay. But my point is. I have a friend who told me that. He goes, I know. I, my friend was a pilot and he became a cop. And I go, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? I've always been, <laughs> I've always been attracted to the idea of police work. Not because I want to crack heads, but because. I love I would love being like a like a Brad Pitt and seven detective, like trying to solve the murder and stuff. I think a lot of guys get into it. That's a different type of cop. Well, but you have to go through the blue uniform to get there. Yeah. But what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't want to get stuck talking about this. Right. Right. But but here's my point. My point is, I think this applies to what we're talking about. I think some guys do get in with pure intentions. But once you're in, like with all these other things, machines we're talking about, you get you're your culture told, play ball yes or don't. and they do and then we're you so now we're back to what we're talking about which is the corp the corporate right. the corporate how the fuck do you say democracy god damn it's a tough so one. i mean i was down there in la when the cops came out and started cracking people's heads when they were protesting occupy wall street and it was just it was amazing you know and it, it's like here these people are exercising their constitutional rights to peacefully assemble and here's these cops that couldn't give a fuck about it. And I didn't see all those good cops saying, stop it. Right. Where are those good cops? Were they all on vacation that day? It's, 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 <laughs> there it's, wasn't one. It's such a tough. It's such so let's move on. I don't want to talk about I don't want to demonize cops. I'm, not, I'm here to demonize cops. I'm here to put them in the proper perspective. We need to recognize that they're just human beings and that they're easily corrupted like all human beings and that most police departments across the country are now corrupt. Well, I said that I said I had a thing on my last album and on my last Comedy Central special where I talked about nurses in the similar light. And I made the comparison. And I said, I, I really kind of went after nurses and I was like, it's a job like any other. And I was like, 
nurses are exactly like cops. There are some good ones. There are some bad ones. Uh, and don't think that just because they're a nurse that means they're an angel. A lot of people can just take that job because they go, oh, benefits, great. Good pay, great. Easy to transfer jobs and live wherever I want, great. I can get this done in two years with education, great. Yeah, some people are doing it for the wrong fucking reasons. And I get a lot of backlash from that, man. I well, get a lot I of backlash the, from that. I think the difference between a nurse and a cop is a nurse isn't going to assault you or stop you from exercising your constitutional rights or put you in jail. She might just be a little rude to you while she's waking you up to give you take your well, blood pressure in the morning. Nurse can certainly lead to your demise, though. So, you know, okay. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, but that, that, has, that has more to do with bad training. Anyway... Uh, I don't. I, My point is, is I I hear where you're coming from because I'm saying I yes. was in a I I was in a situation where I was saying I'm not trying to demonize nurses. Right. I'm just saying they're people like anybody else. But I don't think there's a culture. I think the culture of nursing is positive. I think the culture of policing is to see citizens as the enemy, well, and that's um, that's exactly what's happening. In fact, the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, after the nine eleven, in they you know they release instructives right to all the police departments, and one of and inside contained inside one of them was any group of even peaceful protesters should be seen as potential terrorists. Well, so that's how they look at citizens now exercising their constitutional rights as potential terrorists, which is why every goddamn police department has a fucking tank. Here's my question for you. Okay. Let's and let's take this out of the realm of cops. Okay, let's just take it in the realm of people, seeing people as the enemy. Don't you think, as a as a well-read man, uh, and as a man that uh, that takes his opinions very seriously, <laughs> sincerely, I wouldn't say seriously. Well, sincerely, right? Yes. And I'd, I'd say we're cut from a similar cloth in yes. that sense. Yes. Um, don't you think it's kind of hard when you look at Twitter and you look at the media and you see TMZ and you see the way people act in stores and in public and you, in any crowded situation? It's kind of hard to not look at citizens as the enemy. <laughs> Don't you think that's kind of tough? I, I appreciate your point. Let me ask, can I ask you a question about TMZ? Yeah. No, I know a few people who work for TMZ. Like, I was friends with one of the guys. And then, like, I don't watch TV that much. And all of a sudden, I'm, I turn on, I'm like, holy shit, my, that guy knows I'm TMZ. <laughs> and then I bump into him. What do you say? Yeah, I, I don't know. I was in a situation like that recently where a friend of mine had a friend with her she's like oh this, yeah. we'll meet us for drinks this is my friend so-and-so and i was like oh great i go what do you do and she goes i work for tmz and she was talking about it as if she were was like doing missionary work <laughs> in a third world country so and i was like it, all that was go in my head it was just like a record skipping going you're a fucking idiot you're a fucking idiot you're a fucking idiot. and i was like i can't even talk to this person right now i can't it's such a disgusting uh Big Bang Hank, who's a rapper from the Sugar Hill Gang, mm -hmm. died yesterday. Oh, I uh, love the Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, I love Sugar Hill Gang. And he was actually my favorite guy in Sugar Hill Gang. And he died yesterday from cancer. And TMZ's thing online was, no. was uh, it was like, it was literally like something like uh, a one to the two to, to the stage four cancer. Like, literally, that was what they wrote. Because we, I do a hip hop comedy review show with uh t with Tone Bell and Al Jackson called Can I Kick It. Uh we do it over at Meltdown and so this happened yesterday and we had our show last night and I was like we have to do some kind of Big Bang Hank tribute at the show. And our film or our editor, video editor Mark called me and he goes, "I can't the only tribute thing I could find or the thing that covered him was this TMZ thing." And he's like, "We can't play that. It's terrible." And I was appalled by it. I don't know how anybody can affiliate themselves 
with that, it, it, they are the most disgusting pieces of shit. And people eat it up. People eat it up, which is why it gets so, like, when I talk when when I talk to people about corruption and politics or whatever, and they go they go they just want to take advantage of us. They they they, they want to play us for the fools. They want to they want to exploit the common man. I go, yeah, you're right. But wouldn't you kind of want to do the same thing when you when when you think about every fucking moron and selfish asshole you deal with on a daily basis that says me 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 that cuts you off in traffic mm. that shoves past you in a grocery store without saying excuse me. Don't you kind of think, wouldn't you think too, if you, if you started to deal with that day in and day out, you'd start to say, fuck these people. I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying it's not that crazy to me to understand where some of these guys are coming from. When you say these guys, which these guys? Just, the, the, I'm throwing a blanket over corrupt individuals, you know, the, those in power. Whatever, whatever the role is, whatever their job or position is. You know, I say, like, okay, for example, people would say, um, this isn't really about exploiting people, but people would say, um, you know, all these the politicians, uh, the, you know, the lobbyists and they're all in bed together and all they want to do is protect their friends and they're rich for interest and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it sucks. But that's kind of how any job works. Like I worked at Little Caesars Pizza when I was 15. They told me I was only allowed to give free pizza to my parents. I gave free pizza to every friend that came in, to every chick I wanted to fuck. Every, I used it completely and unfairly to my advantage. <laughs> Everybody does that at their job. So you're saying the people who work at TMZ, aren't they just following human nature? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I think they're really gross people. <laughs> uh, I know I'm, and now I'm sounding they're hypocritical. Giving a, they're giving pizza to the KKK. Well, I think here's, <laughs> yeah, here's the difference with people at TMZ. The people at TMZ to me, when you, when you, when you like making fun of a guy who's dying is really gross or a guy that has died is really gross. Um, pur purposefully trying I to once made a joke about a comedian who I thought was not a great comedian, who I thought was a bad guy. Will you not say who I'm it is? I'm not going to say who it is. Okay, fair enough. And he died, and I, and I made a joke about it on my podcast when, when I was doing it with Todd Glass. And Todd laughed, and he thought it was really funny, you know, because he shared the same feeling about this guy. Okay. We thought he was hackneyed, and we thought that he was bad for comedy. Okay. And, uh, and then I found out there was another comedian who I was friends with who I respect. He said I was best friends with that guy. He was one of my favorite guys. And I was like, oh, I felt like such a dick after that. Right. And now that's out there forever. Right? It's right. on my podcast. So people have it on their computers. Right. And it's me saying that shit about a guy who had died. And then I realized I shouldn't. That's bad. I shouldn't have done that. Well. And, and uh, you know, I didn't. I, 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 it was just because of his comedy. It wasn't about him as a, you know, anything else it was, or his politics or anything. It was just because what I like, I feel protective of stand up comedy or I used to. Right. I don't think I do anymore. But I used to be like, I feel like I need to be the comedy police, you know, and say, no, that's wrong. What he's doing is wrong. What he's saying is wrong. And uh, anyway, we all went through that stage, by the so, way. Oh, you good know, then. it's okay. yeah. I mean, every, I think every comic, except. Really shitty comics. Yeah, like I don't have I don't have a problem making fun of Carrot Top or something, right? Right. Um. Uh. Well, you but and, and but in in anyway. In no, my, no, no. Go ahead, my, because I have something I want to say about that. But go ahead, finish your point. Uh. I, just not. Nah, just let it go. Go ahead. Okay. Well, this is what I was going to say. I. Now this is how I am now. Now I do have a problem 
making fun of like a carrot top because I when if I can sit back and go, that guy, as far as I can tell, is just doing what he likes to do and it's got nothing to do with me. Right. Great. Right. I still go after comedians on stage, but now I only go after comedians on stage that I have like a hard ethical issue with. Somebody on a personal level where I'm like, I don't like that person. Well, I hate when there's like comedy is used in an, in the for the wrong reasons. Comedy I feel should always punch upward. Right. And it bothers me. One time I was on a show at the Improv and there was a uh, an openly gay guy on stage and he was making fun of homeless people. Like, right. Like he he was seriously making fun of them. Like he was like if you're homeless you're an asshole. Right. Because if you don't have any friends you could stay with something like, like that was his bit. Right. And it, that's one of those things I I should leave the room because if people laugh at that I'll hate the crowd. Right. Right. Yeah. So I got up on stage and I kind of did hate the crowd and I and I hated him for sure. And um <laughs> so I said uh so I did some joke out of the box. I forget what it was, but it got a moan, right? And I go, oh, "I'm sorry that I crossed the your line of good taste. Uh, so the one guy, so you can have a gay guy up here making fun of the only people lower on the social rung than him, and that's fucking hilarious. Right. But I, and, then, uh, and then the rest of the crowd applauded that. And I was like, oh, okay. So most of the crowd hated that guy, and it was just like some of them who liked him, and that's the people who I thought were laughing. Right. So, yeah, I, have a, I, 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 don't, I don't like when comedy makes fun of homeless people. I don't, I, uh, I'll always stick up. It's like there's... In the middle of the biggest ass reaming we've ever gotten from the military industrial complex and Wall Street, people still have time to be angry at poor people. My brother's one of those guys. He makes fun of people on welfare. He thinks they're scammers. I'm like, oh, yeah, Danny. Oh, yeah, the welfare people are scammers. They've rigged the system, so now they're the poorest people in the entire fucking state. Right. Oh, those fat cats at the bottom, huh, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, so yeah. I always try. I like to stick up for that Carlos Mencia uh, famously just, you know, just embarrassed comedy left and right, you right. know, and used it for, if, and for evil purposes. I'm not kidding. Like, he, 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 would, he would demonize people on minimum wage workers. He did a bit one time on his TV show. It was a promo where he said, if you're 25, 30, 35, 40, and you still work at a fast food restaurant, you're fucking retarded. Yeah, and I, I don't was like, like when guys say shit like that. And I said, you know, it's about time somebody stood up to the minimum wage worker and took him down a few pegs. Right, yeah, yeah. I don't I think when you when you if you're gonna punch downward on st in stand up on st in stand up if you're gonna punch downward you have to there's got to be a, a a revealing of your own fault through it you know what I mean yeah like if you're gonna make a joke about a homeless guy um the to me the type of joke it should be should be like I know I'm wrong for this, but when a homeless guy shakes my hand, it grosses me out. I know that's not good. I want to give him the money. Yeah, that's a totally different thing. Th yeah, exactly. Because now you're talking about your shitty thing. Yeah. You're calling you're talking out. About, you're a shitty. You're being shitty. They, yeah. So it's more about you than that guy. Right. But you're also recognizing he's dirty. <laughs> you know, that's fine. We can we can we can talk about that. We can recognize that. But we're not going to say he's an asshole for it. Right. It's unfortunate. Um you know, and I think that that has to work racially or between the sexes or whatever. There's got to be a little burn on you, too. The second you unless it's like a straight straight up like injustice thing that you're calling out, then then call it out, whatever. But, yeah, I don't like when people get up and I was a huge I was a huge Dennis Miller fan. I'm not too Dennis Miller's black and white special may be the single most perfect televised special I've ever seen. It's amazing. It was um, just everything came together. 
But it right? always made me sad when he said, and I think it's in that special where he goes, if you're 40, over 40, and your job still involves wearing a name, name tag, tag, you've made a serious vocational error. I mean, it's funny, but it made me feel bad. I was like, what if you're a guy that wears a name tag who loves Dennis Miller? You know who I thought of? I didn't, I didn't think of... Uh, I thought of like middle managers and guys who like worked at insurance agencies and shit. And that's who I thought of. And that's okay. I think to make fun of those guys. I thought white, of, I, I was thinking of white collar guys. I wasn't thinking of blue collar guys when he said that. Isn't that funny? No, I thought of like McDonald's. I, I did, thought of a guy I at McDonald's. Maybe, they, maybe you're right. Maybe that's what he meant. I don't know. But that's what I thought of. At that time in my life, that's what I thought of who he's making fun of. Um, but he again, he has gone the other way. I don't know what happened to him, but a lot of people say, well, well he was never progressive. He was never liberal. He was always conservative, and you can tell. If you go back, well, it is interesting to me because if you, I own all of his specials except for the last two. You're kidding. No. <laughs> the last two you didn't get? I didn't get the last two. That's kind of where he lost me. <laughs> you mean when, he's, when he talks about science like it's a conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. I, I, I really like every special, including All In, where he's still, it's like kind of like yes. on the right on that one. But here's, here's why I still enjoy those. The raw feed and all in, I still kind of liked because I was like, okay, he's still giving me 30 minutes of Dennis Miller jokes. Yeah. And then the other 30, he rants, and he's kind of attacking both sides. He's just attacking the left way more. You know what I mean? So I'm like, it's tolerable. I don't love it, but it, it's not anything that I that I like I can't that I, like I oh, oh I have to completely tune out or whatever. I just didn't get I don't care. I'm indifferent about it. After that, the last two was when it was full on I'm on this side, I'm attacking the other side completely 110%. And I, I think 9/11 was the shift. What he was saying at 9 after 9/11 was in the it, it did fit in with like the Dennis Miller of the talk show. It was the guy coming out and being like, "I'm going to fucking tell you here, this is bullshit and 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 we got attacked and that is the way that Dennis Miller would have handled it. The problem was as things started and at that time he was was very well received. You can't be a court jester and not make fun of the king. And that's what he tried to do after 9/11. Otherwise, not now you're just a fucking you're just a lackey, you're just a toady. If you're if you're the court jester, the one guy given the freedom to make fun of the king, which is what, very needed, and it, yeah. and you're not going to do it. Uh, what are you now? Now you're just a mouthpiece. Well, that's when it. That's when it. That was that was the one to me. The one flaw in that special. Well, he the the line he says in that special is he goes if for nothing else. Uh, and now to hear this is crazy, but like you, you know, he said if for nothing else, George W. Bush allowed me to respect the White House again. What he said, but here's the thing. Listen, I'm not. I don't. What? I'm not a fan of Bush, but. Be, what, what? When did he respect it? Well, this is this is what I'm saying. If you remember at that time, Bush, for a while, the popularity spiked. He wasn't liked, and then 9-11 happened, oh, of course. and everybody liked him, and then it started to crumble again. But there was a, there was a very, very brief period of time where America oh, yeah, was very unified and behind him. This was at that definitely. time. This was at that time. So his point was, I just don't have to think of the president running around with his like al dente cock in his hand oh, okay. he was making fun of clinton and so i was like okay that's a fair enough point now when you hear that you're like that's crazy because of all the shit that's happened since and i think that's 
Look, God bless Dennis Miller. He does what he does. I don't care, you know, but like, it's like, it, it's, it, that's where he lo- kind of lost me where I was like, okay, he's still sticking with these guys. Like, and I want to hear him criticizing these guys the way he used to criticize both parties. Well, I like my comedians who are sincere, genuine, and honest. You can't be, you can't falsely criticize things, even if you have clever words around it. And it's not comedy. That's propaganda. Right. To think comedy is truth telling. And if you're not telling the truth, you're doing propaganda. Well, but what if that is his truth? What if he does believe that stuff? That's not true. It's kind of propaganda. You know, he was relegated. I used to watch him come on Bill O'Reilly. Oh, God. Can you imagine that? Like, you, you used to be the number one social critic, and now you're hanging around with Dean Wormer. I, it's, <laughs> How the fuck does that happen? It does upset me. That's the thing that upsets me. I'm nonpartisan. I don't vote. I don't get involved. Uh, but... I will say this. The one thing that disappoints me most about the right wing party is that they just don't understand the concept of cool at all. And that's why the left will always, you know, at least in the eyes of the general public, kind of be on top. You know what I mean? Because the Foo Fighters are playing at the ceremony. You know what well, I mean? It's funny, all and those Bill Republic- Riley looks like your uncle that you don't want to go have to stay with for the weekend. <laughs> and it's so funny to watch all those right-wing politicians say that their favorite musicians are these lefty guys like Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen said, it's the Chris Christie, stop using my fucking song. You're not my guy. <laughs> and he in did fact, that he with made, Reagan, too. He was pissed yeah, off. Yeah, he was pissed off at Reagan. You're USA. not my guy. Stop yeah. it. You're not for the working man, Ronald Reagan. You're not. Right. And But that's, again, the, the, and let me just make one more point. I, I feel like we need to set the table more about this corporatocracy. You know, you talk about how... Was pe- I saying it right in, No, you're in saying the intro? it right. You're saying okay. it correct. Okay, people, uh People, I don't think, realize how concentrated power has become in America and and that we get the illusion of choice. We don't get real choice. Right. You, know? you get, oh, we got a, I got a thousand different TV stations all controlled by the same six companies. Right, right. So in 1980, there used to be 50 giant media companies in America, which is, which was, those are big companies. Today, there's six. Right. So every TV show, every movie you go to, every internet provider, every fucking radio station, every newspaper in America is owned by one out of six companies. Right, right. So that's what I'm talking about. And you wonder why we have an uninformed electorate. And, you know, you wonder why half the country thinks that science is a conspiracy. And it's because the guys in the corporate news don't want to piss off uh, half their uh, advertisers. And they don't want to piss off half their who they think is watching them. Brian Williams will come on. I've seen him do it. He'll have on a, 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 a senator from Tennessee who doesn't believe in climate change. Mm-hmm. And they don't bring on Bill Nye the science guy. He's got science right in his name. And he says that climate change is a thing. Brian Williams goes, well... He says it's real. She says it isn't. What's the true answer? I don't know, but we presented the debate. Right. That's not a debate. They're replacing objectivity with neutrality. Neutrality says all opinions are equal. Objectivity debunks bullshit. Let me just finish. Right. Let me just finish. So you couldn't report the sports that way, right? You couldn't say, hey, the Cubs played the Dodgers last night. Dodgers said they won 5-4. to four. Cubs said they won 4-3. to three. Who really won? I guess we'll never know. Back to you. Well, but that's that's – I don't think that's a, f- a fair parallel – because uh, news, first of all, should not be editorialized. 
That's true. So you can be objective and still say science is a fact. Well, you can say science is a fact, but, but there are doing, plenty of counter arguments. But what they're doing is saying, I'm not sure if science is a fact. Maybe it is, maybe well, it isn't. But are they saying that or are they saying there are there are a lot of counter arguments to global warming? I mean, if you read the stuff about global cooling in, in from the 70s, it reads exactly like global warming stuff does. So, Joe, what you're saying is you don't believe in science and you think scientists are conspiratorial. No, I'm a huge believer in science. So either you believe in science or you don't. Yeah. Okay. So then there's science. You don't have to, by the way, there's nothing to believe in science. Science is evidence-based. That's the beauty. It's not a belief. But here's the thing. It's empirical. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm a huge supporter of science. Uh, but here's the thing. Is, can, you, can you say by scientific fact the planet is gradually getting a bit warmer? Yes. Does it mean we, that there's going to be a fucking disaster and everything's going to flood and we're going to die because of it? No, I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that these things go in shifts and it will reverse and move in the other direction as it did. There was a goddamn panic about global cooling in the 1970s. Did we freeze to death? Did the second ice age ever come? No, it did not. No, it did not. But all the major news publications wrote about that as if we were going to be frozen in fucking blocks of ice within 10 years or whatever it was. Yeah. And it never happened. So I'm not panicked about global warming. I recognize that it's happening. But is it something that I need to be worried about? I don't think so. I really just don't think so. So what I say when I, get in, when I find myself getting caught in a conversation like this. Caught? Yes. <laughs> because somehow I got caught. I'm, I'm not going to debate whether climate change is real. I don't real want you to debate it. Or what the effects of it are. But I, what I say is this. I'm not a climate scientist, but the people who are climate scientists have studied this. There is no debate. The debate is over. The debate only exists in your mind and right wing and corporate media. It doesn't really exist in science. It only exists in your mind. There's no debate about climate change and its effects. Well, but the, I'm not. Here's what I'm saying, though. I'm not saying there's a debate about climate change. I'm saying the debate comes in with with the left push that we need to be panicking about. There's it. no left push. These are scientists saying this. Well, it's, it's not they're not lefty. They're well, scientists. The problem is the problem is is that Al Gore was the face man for all this. No, the problem is people get hoodwinked when the right wing tries to make Al Gore like Al Gore's an asshole. Like you and I both know. Nothing to do climate change has got nothing to do with Al Gore. For Al Gore to be the <laughs> spokesman about our carbon footprints and the critic the critic of all that. I mean, come on, man. You you He's you know. He's got nothing to do with science. He's not even a scientist. I I accept the accepted science of climate change irregardless of the asshole that Al Gore is. But are you panicked about it? That's my question. That's what I'm saying. You can. Ex I am recognizing the scientific fact that the planet is getting warmer. What I'm not accepting is the social push that I need to be ripping my hair out and be on nerves end because of it. That's oh, what I'm saying. I don't. Okay. That's not denying science. That's saying you're trying to freak me out, Michael Moore. Mm. Just like fucking Ann no, Coulter's Michael trying Moore to freak Michael Moore is not you. trying to are, freak you out. And it's not Al Gore trying to freak you out. It is science telling you facts. Are you telling me that Michael Moore has not inflated statistics and facts in his documentaries to freak I'm people not gonna, out? I'm not going to debate Michael Moore. I'm talking about climate change and science. Okay. You keep trying to make it about Michael Moore or Al Gore. It's got nothing to do with those no, no, guys. No, I'm not trying to this make... This has got to do with science, Joe. The other <laughs> the other component of it, it's it does have to, to do with those it's guys, nothing Jimmy. to do with them, Joe. Yes, it does. This has got... You're being distracted just like the fucking corporatocracy wants you to be distracted don't be distracted from science there is no debate I'm about not climate distracted change distracted by science but science also said that we were going to be in a new ice age no, in the i'm 70s. not going to debate that with you I it's not a debate jimmy it's a fact i'm not talking about what bullshit stuff you heard in the it's corporate not bullshit media stuff that was printed in like time magazine in the 70s read okay. up on it so what i'm going to say to you once again 
Climate scientists have been studying this. There is not one national or international scientific body that denies the existence of man-made climate change and its effects. There's not one. So either you believe all scientists are lefty conspiratorial nuts. That's not what I said. Or you accept That's science. That's what I said. I said I recognize the fact that it's occurring. I don't recognize the people that are telling me I need to be panicking about I'll it. I'll give you, here's why, here's, here's, I'm not saying that you should panic. I'm saying that we should accept the science and then the come up with a plan. So you're saying, let's, you're saying global warming exists. Let's not do anything about it. Listen, this is what I'm saying. Global warming exists, okay? If you think it's something that you that you want to apply your time to, great. But don't tell me, and I'm not saying this about you. I'm right saying now. this about the voice. The royal you. <laughs> the royal you. <laughs> don't tell me I'm an asshole if I'm, not, if I'm not running around telling everybody to get different light bulbs and whatever the fuck else I'm supposed to be right, doing. Right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Because there have been these panics throughout history, and the best example is is the global cooling panic that happened in the 1970s that was coming from science that we were right. on the we were we were at the brink okay. of a new ice age they were okay. saying and it never happened that's all i'm saying don't tell me i got to freak out or act a certain way about it of course i recognize the fact that the planet is getting warmer i just don't think it's that big of a deal i should be allowed to think that I that mean, doesn't mean i'm against science that means science is presenting me with a fact that doesn't that i don't find that alarming uh right now we're bombing uh, the Middle East again, by the way. It's going to work this time. And uh, I was, aren't you glad that we're bombing again? I was so afraid we are going to stop. I, yeah. We've been doing it for 14 years straight. Six more years, we get a gold watch. <laughs> we're, and you know what? We're classic Americans. We're afraid if we take a day off from bombing the Middle East, somebody's going to steal our job. Right. So we just keep doing it. We're like the Cal Ripkins of bombing. Right. right? So, uh, and it's funny how we, they always have money for bombing. It's like, hey, can we, you know, my, my wife's a teacher. She has 40 kids in her classes. Hey, can we have smaller classes? We all know that helps kids learn better. No, we right. don't have money for more teachers. We're broke. Can we have more health care? No, we don't have any money. Can we have more Social Security? No, we don't. Hey, how about we bomb the Middle East? Oh, we got bomb money. Right. We always got a little bomb money. We put that with our of drinking course. money. Nobody touches that shit. Of course. And if we don't have bomb money, we'll borrow the bomb money from China, which we do. Right. Which is ironic. We're a bunch of capitalists borrowing money from a bunch of communists so we can bring democracy to a bunch of Muslims who don't even fucking want it. Right. So let me tell you about the Middle East. We're bombing again. And the reason why that happened was there was a drought in Syria. A lot of scientists say it was caused by climate change. There was a drought in Syria. Assad went to the UN and said, hey, there's a drought. My people don't have any fucking food. The farmers are dying. What are we going to do? The UN said, God, why don't you go pound sand? But if the people revolt against you, we're going to come fucking bomb you. Right. So that is exactly what happened. The people revolted. The farmers came in from the, from the countryside. They came in and they started protesting. Assad overreached. He started shooting them and killing them because he didn't have any water to give them. So right. he killed them. So then now we, got, so now we got ISIS. And now we're back there bombing again. And it's all because of climate change that you say we shouldn't worry about. It's all. Be, I listen. You said you don't want to debate. It was started by a drought. Climate change. Okay. People don't. And people don't say know this. that. By but the let way. me just say this. Let me just say this. I accept that you didn't want to debate climate change because you're not a climate scientist. I believe is how you phrased it. Yes. I don't know what you're referring to right now. About this. I know no I, one does, Joe, but, because but, you listen but, to the corporate but I media. Can't, I can't just say I don't listen to corporate media. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> So I can't speak with any education on whether or not what you're saying is valid or is or is invalid. I, it could be very, it could be a hundred percent true what you're saying. Trust me, it is. But 
then trust me that what I'm saying is also true. Okay. That there was a scare in the other direction that didn't happen. You know what? Happen. Because Time Magazine printed it up. I think up. it was Time. Because a magazine or two printed some fucking articles that some scientists were saying things. There was no... I don't want to... I'm not going to... It's fine. This. It's fine. Let's, let's get to the bigger point about people trying to scare the shit out of us. Both sides do it. No. Yes. No. Joe. Again, you're, do, you're doing that neutrality versus Jimmy, objectivity. Jimmy, I'm not doing a neutrality thing. I have hung out with Michael Moore and I have hung out with Ann Coulter and they both say things that are false in their work. They both say things that are false that have been proven time and time again by book. their critics to be fra- false. Right. In my book, I was a little prescient in my book, Your Country's Just Not That Into You. Uh, people were talking about how Barack Obama, they were so upset that he lied about Obamacare, that he lied and said you could keep your insurance, even even though he knew you, a lot of people weren't going to be able, there was going to be a percentage of people who weren't going to be able to keep their insurance. Right. And the reason was because it was shitty insurance. And they they passed a law that said you can't give people shitty insurance anymore. You have to give them good insurance, right? right. That's the part they leave out. So, and the joke in my book is, yes, Bush lied, and we got an illegal war, which cost us trillions of dollars. Obama lied, and everybody got health care. <laughs> Yeah, but it was the shit. So when you that say Ann Coulter, wanted, you when you say Ann Coulter and and Michael Moore both use it, that those are that is such a bad. It's not a bad false thing. They're, 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 it's called false equivalency. No, it's pro wrestling. It's pro wrestling. It's not pro wrestling. You got the fake heels and the fake heroes going out to put on the show for everybody. None of them mean anything they say. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. So did you see Sicko? Uh, I didn't see Sicko because I tuned out before that. Yeah, you sh- it was a great movie, and I did. I'm sure it was great. I thought Fahrenheit 9/11 was great. It was riddled with lies. I thought that uh, Bowling for Columbine was great. It was riddled with lies. There's a documentary uh, called, I think it might be called like something in in you know something provocative like Michael Moore is a mm-hmm. liar or some you know whatever. I don't like the title. Whatever the title was, I didn't like it because I was like, that fucking title is going to turn people off from seeing this movie. And that bugged me. But uh, you watch the movie. They go back. They interview many of the people that Michael Moore uh, had in Bowling for Columbine. And these people are going, that was not true. What he put in the movie was not true. He made it look like he walked into our bank and got a gun within a day. No, you have to fill out this paperwork. It takes three weeks. And he ke- and he kept insisting that we give it to him today. We were like, no. He kept saying, well, come on, just you know, for a movie, for a movie. We said, no, we, legally we are not allowed to do that and it would be irresponsible. We're not doing it. And then he came back three weeks later in the same outfit and then made it look like he got the gun today. He statistics he lies he fucking lies and in my opinion and i know ann coulter does too and again i've been in the good graces of both of these people they were very nice to me i've had drinks with ann coulter i've had dinner with michael moore i enjoyed talking to them doesn't mean that they get a free pass for everything they do and to me at the end of the day anybody that's going to try to scare me and make me think that things are possible or potentially happening that are not happening is that that sucks and i don't care if you're doing it on behalf of the church and telling me i'm going to rot in hell or telling me that abortion is a sin or that homosexuality is a sin or if you're telling me that uh you know the gun con- control is 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 fucking mayhem in this country and and i'm going to get shot dead in the sh- whatever you're saying if it's bullshit no i'm not listening anymore i'm not listening i don't care what team you're saying it for i agree and uh that's why uh you know, I think of Martin Luther King and Bull Connor exactly the same. Just like Ann I don't Coulter know who Bill Michael. Connor is. Bull Connor. 
Bull Connor? Bull Connor? Who's Bull Connor? Bull Connor was the uh, the racist uh, police chief who was uh, sicking the dogs on the protesters in Selma. Well, wh- how, why would... I know you're being funny, but why... So Bull Connor would be like the symbol of racism in the South. And but Bull Connor was doing something that was... Horrible. That was horrible, and Martin yeah. Luther King wasn't. Right. Martin Luther King wasn't lying. Well, he was uh, cheating on his wife, and he was a womanizer. But he wasn't. And but but he, he was a horrible person, too, right? It wasn't but that he bad? wasn't. But that, hold on a second. That's not, you're saying something very different from what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're coming to me and presenting me with something that you are saying is a reality, this is fact. This is what you need to be concerned about because this is what ha- is happening, and this person is your enemy. Okay. And you're lying to me about that? Right. Doesn't matter if you're doing that on behalf of the right or the left. You're lying to me. You're trying to scare me. Michael Moore does pretending, but Joe, what you're doing is you're pretending. I'm what not you're pretending. doing is, is no, no. What you're doing is you're buying into this bullshit right wing narrative. It's not. Some, it's, listen. It's, let no, me make my point. But you can't say that. It's not a right wing narrative. It is. It is. It is an in the middle narrative. It is saying neither team. No, I say no to okay. both. What, go ahead. Say, say your point, sir. No, I mean, I. I think I laid it out at the beginning of the show. That, uh, you know, it's a bullshit trap that there's some kind of liberal media out there that has any influence in anything. There isn't. It's a corporate media. That's the whole point of this show we're doing right now today. I laid it out to you how during the fucking the, the war in Iraq that our number one liberal newsman was being paid by a defense contractor who was lying to the people about the war. So the lies are coming in the wrong way. And uh, so there, there's this mountain of corporate, so then, if you, corporate propaganda that has fucking wrecked this country, which is why we're living in the biggest income disparity since the Gilded Age. Half of all wage earners earn less than $30,000. And when you make a comparison between the left and right, that's bullshit. How is it bullshit? You just said they're all working for the same person. No, what I'm saying, no, no, no. What you're trying to say is that they're, you're, but you're, you're validating their opinion so that there is a liberal media. Well, let that me, Michael Moore does have the same influence as Ann Coulter and her ilk, and they do well, not. Well, then let me tell you where, where. So that's the mistake you're making. Well, let me tell you the mistake you're making. Oh, you're shit. willing? No, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're willing to say anybody on the left gets a free pass? No, 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 and no, I think no, that's, no, no, I think no. That's, that's not true out. at all. No, no. And there's no bigger critic of the left than me. I'm. Uh, I, I take down Barack Obama on a weekly basis on my show. And I, I, people who, you know, he just, I started out making fun of him on the show. And by the way, this latest round of bombing is being brought to you by Nobel Peace Prize winner Barack Obama. <laughs> this is fucking, <laughs> fucking hilarious. Isn't that Ow, great? I hit my tooth with the mic. Yeah, he gets, he gets, he gets the first day on the job. They give him a Nobel Peace Prize. And then he ramped up the war in Afghanistan, did a surge. He started bombing Libya, put a hit on Osama bin Laden, and now we're bombing Syria. And that's the thing about those peace prizes, Joe. Nobody ever tries to win a second one. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get it, you're good. It's like no, the no. Purple Heart. Take that. Yes. Enjoy it. You did well. But I wouldn't use Michael Moore as a symbol for the opposition, right? I, you know, and he, he made a couple of movies, whatever. He's not the left in America. Uh, there is no left in America, and that's the problem. You know, it's like it's left to get people like me and Pacifica Radio, which is so screwed up because we, we you know, we're, you know, that's the, you can go down to Occupy Wall Street, you got to get the talk stick, and no, you got to have organization. There is something to the Republican organization. That's where they win. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> that's why yeah. they know how to get shit done. Yeah. And the lefties are all so disorganized. It's such a, oh, it's so hard. Well, I think one of the biggest problems, and we can, we, we, we can wrap it up. Uh, here, but How I long have we been is, talking, Joe? We're about an hour in, oh, maybe okay. a little more. Okay. Um, but we, I think this is actually a nice place for us to end. All right. Uh, because I like what you're saying about um, there is, there's no more real left or whatever. 
um, one of the things, and this to me applies to comedy, uh, and I complain about this all the time. There's no counterculture anymore. There's no counterculture anymore. What am I supposed to be rebelling against? Well, that's the whole, you're right. The what counterculture I, is, they're all about the corporatocracy, right? Even rappers, they're all about getting more money and getting more bling and being part of the system. Right. They're not about fuck the system. Right. Right? That's yeah. what we need. Yeah, every kid with a beard and thick glasses oh, and Jesus a flannel Christ. shirt is like on MTV now. And it's like, these were the guys, this guy looks like Kurt Cobain. These were the guys that were supposed to be saying, fuck you to this stuff. Do you know what I mean? I it's it's insane to me. Joe. I don't know. There's no counterculture. It's I I say like we're in the boy band phase of comedy because this is what happened. Joe Bioff read such a great quote in an interview that's from the last few years. He they they said, "What do you think the state of punk rock is?" And he goes, "I don't know what to think about the state of punk rock because." Uh, Boy bands are dressing like punk rockers yeah. and punk bands sound like boy bands. He's like, it's really upside down right now. And I was like, that exact that describes yes. exactly what I'm saying. There was, what do you rebel against when your friends are the ones that are in the positions you're supposed to be hating? What do you do? Uh, I don't I don't I don't know what you do. You try to get money out of <laughs> politics. Wolf-pack.com. <laughs> Jimmy, it was great having you here, man. Like I and I love that we're ending on the I don't know what to do. We're fucked. We're right back at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> Plug your book, man. I, I want people to buy it and, and enjoy it. So I have a book. It's called Your Country's Just Not That Into You. And uh it was the bestseller on Amazon number two in political humor books. It's great. And uh it's all about what we're talking about, but there's a lot of jokes surrounding everything. I tried to f slip in some jokes. I don't know if you, you noticed. I noticed. I noticed. <laughs> some people get upset. You try to do jokes. Uh, I'm not one of those no. guys. I enjoy jokes. Now, well, I think the beauty of when a comic writes a book like the one you wrote um, is now you, ha you don't have the pressure of being on stage, so you can kind of go off on these tirades or, or, right. or dissertations, whatever you yes. want to call them. And then just kind of naturally sprinkle the humor in yeah, yeah, to yes. keep it interesting. And to the average person, it's still going to be 10 times funnier than the average book. Yeah, thank you. Do you know what I mean? Thank you very much. Yeah. So and You I, didn't actually read my book, did you? You just kind of skimmed it maybe? Uh, I didn't get a copy of it. Oh, you're I kidding. I don't have a copy. I think you're, you know what? I think you're. Uh, Why didn't my guy send you a copy? I think your publicist sent me a PDF yesterday, but I didn't have time okay. to, to read it Cut this part out. Tell your guy to cut this part out. I don't want people to know you didn't read my book. You don't? No, it hurt my feelings. I'm going to read it. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> okay, leave I'm going to read it. All right, leave it in. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, I mean, look, I said with blind faith at the top of the podcast, and I meant it, that it, that if this is the type of subject matter you're interested in, it, it's a must read, and I and I absolutely meant that, and I look forward to reading it. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, would you want to, anything else? You there's an it? error in my book. I hope you won't discard it because there's a factual error. There is. If, uh, can I tell you what it is? So uh, the points I make about NBC being owned by General Electric, uh, right. they, they were they were sold to Comcast. Uh, they were supposed to it was supposed to take longer. So when I wrote the book, they were still supposed to be owned by or not owned by General Electric anymore. But in the book, I said they were, which is the mistake. Right. So that's the only mistake, though, in the whole goddamn book. Well, read the book. I yeah. love that you think I'm going to research the yeah. <laughs> Unless somebody comes out with a movie that says Jimmy Dore lied, that's called Jimmy Dore lied, <laughs> I would never know. So I had that's the date wrong on the transfer of power from NBC General Electric to NBC Comcast. All right. Well, we can let you slide. Thank on you. Thank Jesus you for doing God. that. I'm glad I 
I could put that one last piece of boring shit at the end of your show. <laughs> Jimmy, thanks for coming on, man. This is great. I love when it's like this, when, when every opinion doesn't line up uh, perfectly and there's some debate and, and also some solidarity. So thank you for coming on. My pleasure. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Come check me out in the south, southeast uh, in December. Bye.